0: One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I want trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write where can it go from here. They would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money handling fish traffic, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. we got two deferred ones, this is Northern Michigan, this is what you do. Represent Dave Draper in a positive light. I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This is what I can Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes, the perfect and game magazine. Instructions from Perigo Gorman. Herb Lennon's articles of Herb Lennon. ads, to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To I me, mean, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listen the so to me Develop a system that's working ahead of time to build big trappers. If you've got variables, the same with characters, you've got you bog down. He started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know. Get better. Yeah. Trying to set Predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a It's sheer... You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the first shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening in. Great to have you guys here. It's great to be back. It's been a while on the podcast, and we are live streaming on YouTube, so I just threw up the live stream um, just because I haven't been there in a while. We are brought to you by Kotz Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Kotz Brothers has what you need to get started on the trap line, from baits and lures to traps, snares, books, DVDs, all the various supplies that you need We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line, mark trap locations, get landowner information, get aerial imagery. Um, You can really improve your scouting using this app and a whole pile of different things, layers that you never thought existed you can use to get a better understanding of the land that you're trapping around. So OnXMaps.com, you can use the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off of your first purchase. Um, from OnxMaps.com. All right, guys. I uh, I just threw up this YouTube live stream, and we're gonna see if uh, if anybody shows up here. So it, it it's gonna be an interesting podcast. I haven't done one for two months now. It's been a while. So I want to give everybody kind of an update on what's been going on with me. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about maybe some plans for the upcoming trapping season. And uh, the events going on, a little bit of convention talk, uh, a little bit of what I've got going on in the store. And then we're going to talk fur prices. Big thing, just because everybody always wants to hear uh, what's going on with fur prices. Uh, and uh, for folks just listening to the podcast, uh, I if there are any comments on the live stream, I'm probably going to be get myself interrupted and uh, answer some questions on there as well. So, um, I, I love this YouTube live stream stuff because this just randomly I never schedule anything. You just pop it up and all of a sudden you got people show up. It looks like we've got eight people already on. So uh, uh, Mike Boone from Western Montana. Hey, man, great to have you here. Thank you uh, for listening in. That's awesome. Okay, so what's been going on with me? Well, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I actually have not been thinking about trapping a lot this summer. And uh, it might be hard for some folks to... to really uh, relate to because some people some of us are constantly thinking about trapping every day of the year and i've had years where i've done that i've been 100 percent. just uh, all i want to do is getting ready for trapping i'm trapping and then i'm done trapping getting ready for the next season this year's been different and uh, for a variety of different reasons but uh, my summer has been spent uh, doing a lot of work on the farm uh, I have, in addition to my regular job, I have a small cattle farm and, uh, I have been making hay for winter feed and the last couple of weeks I've been on vacation from my regular job and I've probably, I've put up, oh, probably in excess of 600 large round bales of hay, uh. I know one person operation, so I'm just basically doing all this stuff myself. So I've been pretty, pretty busy, pretty steady working on that and then moving cows around on different pastures and stuff, working on fences and water and everything. So, uh, yeah, I, trapping's kind of been a little bit, uh, bit, a bit of a backseat lately. And that's, uh, that I, I keep thinking, man, I gotta get, I gotta get doing the podcast. I gotta get on the podcast and, um, here we are. So I finally, we, got, we actually got two days of rain here yesterday and today, and I started to get caught up, and I said, ah, I better get on and, and uh, record a podcast and, and uh, get back into the swing of things. So I'm sure this fall and winter, uh, there'll be a lot going on. So that's what's been happening in my life lately. Uh, um, and things have been fairly slow although I've, I have been getting emails from people the emails are starting to pick up even though I'm not doing any podcast recently uh, obviously some people are sensing that we're getting closer to trapping season because I'm starting to get people email me asking about lure asking about um, uh, various different topics um, related to things I've talked about in the past so people are listening in so a couple of events that we've got coming up here in Maine or in the Northeast. Uh, sorry for folks who are a long ways away. I guess the NTA convention is is uh, already wrapped up. Uh, so if anybody has, hey, coin and gold, what's up? <laughs> Glad to have you here. Um, if anybody's been there, I uh, hope you guys had a good time there. I I feel like I feel like there's a bit of a different tone hey land cruiser what's up uh, i'm not going to be at Neil's. i'm going to talk about that but uh yeah i there's a bit of a different tone in the industry lately and and i think that's been going on quite a bit in the past year um i i personally feel like this is probably the first true season that we're going into it expecting absolutely nothing in terms of the fur market. And anybody that has been trapping for a a good portion of their living, trapping for income for a few months out of the year, has pretty much been flushed out of this, this whole trapping thing. And uh, it it really is sad to see, but we've had several years of really low fur prices and it hasn't gotten any better. Um, In addition to that, we have skyrocketing fuel prices. We're paying four dollars and fifty cents. We were paying over five dollars a gallon up here in northern Maine uh, for a, a couple weeks ago. It's dropped back down to around 450, 470 something in that range. But it's it's expensive. I mean, it's uh, it, it's making it. You know, our, our fuel cost this fall is probably going to be double what it was last fall, and the fur prices are going to be the same or lower. So. We have that whole portion of of the trapping community that's gone or um, not excited. Let's say maybe they're still trapping because it's in their blood, but they're not super excited about it. Uh, and then there's folks uh, kind of maybe in my I don't know I I don't know where I fall, but uh, folks in the other camp that are going to trap no matter what the prices are. And there's certain species that I'm going to trap for. It doesn't matter what the prices are. I'm going to trap Martin and Fisher uh, r- regardless of regardless of what fur prices are it just doesn't matter i'll do it for free because it's a passion of mine it's something that i love to do but i'm not going to trap coyotes i'm not going to trap coyotes this fall um and spend a thousand dollars on fuel and vehicle cost and take vacation time off of work which i'm pretty much out of it right now anyway or close to it and uh, get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and stress out over people finding my traps and, and pounding my body and destroying my body for a $10 coyote. I mean, it's fun for a while, but to do that hard, it's just not going to happen. Um, instead, I'm, go, I'm going to run, uh, one of the things I was going to talk about here later on is I, I think I'm going to run a foothold trap line for Fisher this fall. And it's something I'll probably take a week off of work and uh, I'm going to just have fun. And it doesn't matter what the price is and what it costs me. I'll probably stay pretty close to home. Uh, but I'm, I'm just going to focus on enjoying myself on the trap line. Uh, but, but, you know, am I going to chop through two feet of ice to catch a $10 beaver? I, I don't know yet. I'm not really sure about that. But I know a lot of people are not going to do that. So anyway, upcoming events, Uh, Neil Olson's uh, New England Trappers weekend, that was uh, two years, that was not, it went for, what was it, 43 years in a row, and for two years it was suspended due to COVID, coin of gold, no, 10 buck, it's not worth it, there are way too many here in northern Vermont, absolutely, 70 Land Cruiser says, canine and bobcat for me, gotta finish that blanket for my 75 year old mom, hey, that's awesome. And uh, 78 Lankers, how, how's your personal situation going? I, I, I know you were texting with me earlier this summer. Um, hopefully, uh, things are things are going pretty good. Uh, just let me know in the chat. So, anyway, uh, Neil Olson's Trappers Weekend, that's uh, for two years that hasn't happened. And uh, that is going to be back on this year. And it's also combined with the Northeast Regional National Trappers Association. So it's going to be a, uh, uh, I guess, a bigger event this year. So, um, unfortunately for me, so much better working home or excellent, awesome. Hey, that's good. I'm glad to hear. So, so for me, uh, I, I had, I'm incredibly time constrained, and also with the obviously with the increased fuel, uh, financially constrained as well because I have a lot of things that I've invested in and I don't have much uh, financial leeway. And or time leeway. And so between the two conventions that we have here in Maine, Neil Olson's and the MTA, Maine Trappers Association, I could only go to one. And I actually agreed this spring to go to the Maine Trappers Association Fall Rendezvous, which is taking place at the Windsor County Fairgrounds in Windsor, Maine, on September 16th and 17th so that i think is going to be a pretty good event but it's never as big as uh, as neil's it's not even close it's it's quiet it really is and and um, it's unfortunate there should be more people there there's a lot of resources a lot of good people that show up vendors that show up a lot of great demos a lot can be learned but it's just kind of out of the way and a lot of people go to neil's and don't go to that one but that's where i'll be and i'm not really sure how uh How I'm gonna, what I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. So let's, I'll give you a little background on what happened with that. So I'm on I'm on the list for demonstrations uh, in the MTA flyer. It shows Jeremiah Wood on Friday, September sixteenth, from four thirty to six o'clock. I'm gonna do Trapping Today podcast live from the rendezvous, and I'll tell you how that kind of came about and what's going on. So. Uh, one of the guys from the MTA contacted me. Uh, he was organizing the event and wanted to see if I wanted to do a demo. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And Of course, I've got uh, my new book, uh, More Than Wolverine and Alaska Wilderness Trapline, for the folks on YouTube. I'm showing that here. And uh, you can find that on Amazon or on trappingtodaystore.com. And uh, that's he, he had read the book and said, Uh, why don't you talk about trapping in Alaska and all that in your book and stuff. And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. Put me on. Good. Uh, That evening after uh, Brian had talked with me, I got thinking about it and I thought, you know, these conventions are are always, um, they're kind of, they kind of been going the same way for the last 30, 40 years. And it's pretty well dead. And I want, I thought of, about what what is there something that we could do to kind of switch things up and do something a little different uh, to to make it interesting and get more people involved? So I called them back later that night and I said, "Hey, listen, I've got an idea. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but last year every every was it Friday every Friday evening at that annual convention they have live music." and i'm sure back in the 80s or whenever back in the fur boom it was a big deal and there's tons of people there last year when i was there the live music had like six people there sitting there watching the guy and the guy was a really good musician very talented person and uh, it was great but there was nobody there so i thought well what if we did like a live podcast um And folks that have listened to the podcast, folks that haven't, maybe we could get a bunch of people together, sit down and either do a question and answer or get like a panel of experienced trappers. We can sit down and kind of corner and get them in and and uh, record that so that we can throw it out podcast for people that are all over the country, all over North America um, and and uh, get some of that knowledge and just kind of get talking about trapping topics. Uh, And so I brought that up to him. He said, yeah, great idea. That sounds good. Well, I didn't hear anything. He said I'll bring it up to the to the board of directors. I didn't hear anything, and all of a sudden the flyer showed up, <laughs> and um, I was on at 4:30, and the live music was <laughs> was there at seven. So I guess that I guess that did not uh, end up panning out in terms of. I I wanted it to be like an evening thing in the dark where we're sitting around. Maybe you guys are having a few drinks. Guys, people are kind of loose and relaxed and and hanging out and. Kind of like a campfire type of uh, situation. Uh, but it, it's going to be at 4.30. So it's going to be a little different. I'm not sure exactly how that's. Uh, hey, my grandson and I enjoyed that guy last year. I'll be there at Windsor. Good. Um, so it's going to be a little earlier. And I'm really not sure what I'm going to do. Um, I may try to do some sort of podcast uh, thing. Outdoors with us says, why didn't they go for that idea? I'd I'd have been there for that. Well, outdoors with us, if you want to do it a little bit earlier, I'm going to be there. We're going to do something. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be, but I think we'll make it interesting. Um, It might just be simple as me just doing a demo or maybe I'll set up the recorder and we'll get a few guys around and people, maybe people that listen to the podcast Maybe some trappers that we want to hear from, guys like Neil Olson, maybe or Alvin Yates. Maybe we can get them cornered if if we can, and uh, ask questions and do some interview type stuff. So um, yeah, and that is the plan. So I'll be there in September, and I'm. That's one of the reasons I just can't make it to Neil's unfortunately, uh, but I I hope that a lot of you guys that are able to go and are are not five six hours away. Like we are up here, I hope that you make it and uh, and have a good time. <laughs> Seventy says, do it up at my site after your live cast for a future broadcast. Yeah, we did that last year. We had uh, there were we were at a campfire, not at your place, not at your campsite, but uh, a little ways down uh, down from there. We did a, a it wasn't live, but we we set up the recorder and we did a podcast and had a little thing. Folks that have not heard that, you can listen back to uh, podcasts from last uh, summer or fall. So maybe it was sometime in October I aired those and uh, just kind of real casual campfire conversations about trapping. It was pretty good. I thought it, I thought it went really well. Okay, so uh, moving on. Let's talk about uh, trapping today's store. Um, I had people ask about lure, so we are getting to the point where folks are starting to think about trapping lure for the upcoming season. If you go to trappingtodaystore.com, I have long-distance call lure is in stock. And several of my other glures, the Birch River Beaver Lure is in stock. Muskrat Magnet is in stock. uh, Sweetness is in stock. But Predator and Predator Plus are out of stock right now. I made a whole bunch of that this this spring, several months ago. That's been kind of sitting in pails waiting to be uh, bottled up. And that's ready to go. I just need to find time to bottle it up and get it uh, listed back up on the store. So stay tuned for that. I'm not. Uh, you can buy any of the other lures right now, but that stuff, I'm not quite ready. And I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get a. Uh, I'm gonna have some sort of a combination pack. So I'm gonna have like three different lures, three different four ounce bottles of lure, where you can, uh, you can. Buy them at a pretty good discount. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it really attractive for folks. Judith and Dan Davis are on. Southern droughts have concentrated the fur into the biggest creeks. Season will be awesome. All right, Judith and Dan, that's awesome. Glad uh, glad to hear that you are excited and ready to go for the next trapping season. Uh, so stay tuned for the lures. Uh, if you're on the store, get the book uh, more than Wolverine, and. Other books, I get two others. A Fall Fur Hunt in Maine, written by Manly Hardy in 1859, Trapping Expedition in the Northwoods. You can tell this is my fur shed copy. It's got a bunch of grease and stuff stained on it. And then finally, Walter Arnold, Maine Trapper, Stories from One of the Last Mountain Men. That's a a really good book. um, 300 and something odd pages of trapping. Advice, stories, History, wisdom, it's just really good stuff and uh, something that you might get uh, getting ready for the upcoming season. It might get you pretty psyched up and excited uh, about that. I, th- I think one of the things that runs through my mind is, is at least here in Maine, we'll never get the experience that Walter Arnold had with his remote trap lines back in the 40s, 30s and 40s in northern Maine. That Things have just changed so much. We're more of an industrial forest now with tons of dirt roads everywhere so it's uh it's not the same but just kind of like following along his stories and and dreaming and thinking about the experiences he had we I feel like you can kind of recreate some of those experiences here even today uh, without having to go to Alaska like I did which was awesome by the way but I I feel like uh, we can do a lot of kind of mini wilderness experiences that are uh, just understanding the the world that we live in today. It's not going to be perfect, but uh, there's a lot that you can do that can kind of uh, get you into that whole mindset of just kind of being on the trap line, being in the woods and uh, in places where I'm where I'm at, where there aren't a lot of people around. You can really get away from people pretty easily. So. Um, Check out that book if you want to get excited for the trapping season. That's available on uh, trappingtodaystore.com or at amazon.com. You can get it pretty quick and easy. Coin and gold, will you be getting in more predator lure in? Yes, I just mentioned that. Um, I've got a bunch of that that's already made up. Uh, It's been settling out for months and it's ready to just be bottled up. I just got to put it from five gallon pails into four ounce bottles. So I am going to be getting that. And I'm going to be offering uh, the discount, the three-pack discount. I'll probably have like Long Distance Call, Predator, Lure, and Sweetness, maybe. I'll have those three lures and four-ounce bottles. Uh, and I'll have a pretty good discount on those from what you would pay if you, uh, if you had to purchase those separately. So one of the important things about uh, business is cash flow. And it's been quite slow this time of year, as it always is. Uh, and so it's important to kind of get a little cash flow ahead of the season because there's some things that I'm going to have to reorder and get supplies on. Um, and I, in order to do that, we're to get some money up front. So, uh, now I, one other thing I have is wild fur, tanned fur. And in just a second, I'm going to pull out some of those furs and talk about them with you. Okay, so if you go to trappingtodaystore.com, and for folks on the podcast that aren't on the YouTube live, I apologize because you're not going to be able to see this stuff, um, but here's a couple, uh, a few fur items that I have that I caught in my trap line last year. If you watch the YouTube videos, these are furs that were probably caught while I was filming, and uh, I had them tanned at Moyle mink and Tannery. Awesome, awesome tanning job, and I sold quite a bit. Uh, this past winter Uh, but there are some that kind of didn't they didn't sell through the winter and spring and then when summer comes nobody seems to buy wild fur or anything anything I mean things just kind of slow down so these are leftover from last season and they are still available for sale tan furs Um, these are fishers really beautiful fisher pelts from my northern Maine Martin and Fisher trap line this one is 40, it's in the 42, 46 inch size range. And this other one, 38 to 42, it's a little smaller. Um, these, there are two. This one's got a pretty cool patch, white belly patch. We see that on a, a certain amount of fishers. It seems to be females, at least in, in my experience. Um, but that white patch on the belly there, that's kind of cool. Um, we see it on some fishers here, depending on where you catch them. So there's two. That's it. And there there are going to be none available um, once those two sell until probably January or February. Uh, let's go. I'm going to go to trappingtodaystore.com and I'm going to see because I, I don't remember exactly what the prices were on there. I think they were around, I think they are around 100 bucks. Go to tan furs and the fisher pelt uh, 90 90 for the smaller one, and the bigger one's 100. So, uh, yeah, my m- I'll talk in a little bit about my goal for the upcoming season, but uh, it's probably going to involve some, some fisher trapping. So, those are the two fishers I have. Uh, Martin, I have quite a few Martin left, and these are, of course, I, I trap quite a, quite a few Martin um this is kind of an example of a couple of martin from my northern main trap line. Of course, they get the, the main tags on them. And uh, beautiful tan pelts. They're smaller. You know, our martin aren't like the Alaska and northern Canada martin. Uh, but they are. They do have beautiful thick prime fur. Um, really just a awesome looking pelt. I don't know if you want them for maybe a wall hanger. Or if you have some ideas on, on sewing, doing some sort of craft. Uh, the thing with martin pelts. Is they make awesome hats, but you can't really make mitts out of them. They're small and they're not as durable, so you don't really want to be rubbing them around because you might, you know, the, the, the hide is a little bit thinner than something like a fisher or definitely way thinner than a beaver. Um, so, uh, good hat material. I thought something I, I've been thinking about, I've been trying to get my friend Josh Fisher up in Fairbanks, Alaska, to do is, is to make some can coolers, some koozies out of these. Um, I think they'd they'd make pretty cool koozies, but anyway, uh, those are the Martin, and then finally I have two beaver pelts, only two. Uh, I sent some to Josh. Uh, I sold quite a few, and uh, there's just two left. I have the. I mean, this is these are unbelievable. Maine. Um, hey Judith and Dan, we sent a bunch of fur oil. They said it would be November before they come back. Really? Okay, so. One thing with Moyle that I've noticed, they, they are the place to go, really, honestly. I, as far as dependability, quality product, and price, I don't think you can beat them. But one thing I've noticed is if you send early in the season, like we're lucky in Maine because our general trapping season ends at the end of December. If you send them in early January or late December, you're going to get them pretty quick. But come March, April... Moyle has so much fur coming in that it all gets backed up, and it can be months and months. And like Judith and Dan just said, um, we'll, we'll get it back till November. So uh, they're obviously pretty backed up. And and obviously, we're dealing in a situation with fur prices being so low that people are, are, instead of giving their fur away at the auction house, like I did to a lot of it this year, they are... Um, sending it out to the tannery and trying to save it, give it away to people, sell it as tan fur, and so that market's kind of getting flooded, and Moyle is getting busy. So anyway, but in Maine, we it is told that we have some of the best beaver in North America, uh, certainly best beaver in the United States. They are generally a pretty dark beaver, very very thick pelt. Hey, the Norma. Good evening, everyone. Good evening to you as well. Um, very thick prime. This was winter caught. And look at that beautiful white tan hide. I mean, Moyle does an incredible job. So I have two of these beavers. This one is a uh, size large. I have slight damage. I put slight damage on it. I can't. Let me figure out where the damage is. I don't see it. Oh. Right by one of the armholes, there's just the armpit area, there's just a little hole there. So (laughs) there isn't much. So anyway, that's uh, that's for sale. And the other one is a little bit smaller. I think it's a large medium. Uh, Yes, it is. And there it is. And really good fur. So if you're looking for something, maybe a wall hanger, a hoop, uh this would be great to make mitts or something check them out trappingtodaystore.com there's two when they're gone they're gone and i won't get any more of those till like i said probably at least uh, i think february or january february at, at, at the earliest and i do don't even know what i'm going to do with beaver this year i may not even trap them to be honest with you okay yeah jesus it would make great pillows absolutely right they would be excellent uh pillow is something i haven't made yet um, and haven't had made out of fur, and I think that's, I think that's a good one. I think that's a good one to, to look into. I, if these don't sell, I'm probably, maybe I'll do that. I'll send them up to Josh and have him make me a pillow. Uh, let me see. Let's go to Trapping Today store, and I'm gonna look at the beaver. They are seventh. The smaller one is seventy dollars. These are all. These prices are include shipping as well. And the big one. The large is, let's see, is 90. Oh, nope, that's not what the large is, 75 because I had that little hole in it. I cut off a little price. So uh, $75 for that one. So check them out, trappingtodaystore.com if you are interested. If not, no, no problem. Okay, let's see, let's move on to. I had one thing I want to just mention for people who are interested in main trapping. I I had a podcast listener email me yesterday or the day before about Dead River Rough Cut, and it's something I haven't mentioned before on the podcast, but it's it's a video that was made way back in the day. Judith and Dan, how much are you finished for bringing in the auction? Um, Okay, we'll talk about that pretty soon. But anyway, this is a couple of guys from... uh, Western Maine that kind of hold up for a winter in a old prisoner of war camp and uh, out it was out basically in the middle of nowhere. If you guys have listened to the podcast and listened to the episodes with Billy Thompson and Charlie Tucker, the guy from Mountain Man TV show, um, those guys those are kind of local guys. Billy's from that Western Maine area and he is incredible guy. He is probably one of the best trappers in the United States, in my opinion and uh, I did an interview I think I talked with him for like three hours one time and the next time maybe another two hours the the second time so there's several podcasts with Billy and he talks about when he was a kid uh, trapping with his dad uh, meeting these guys from Dead River Rough Cut and this video was shot uh, covering kind of following these guys on their trap line I want I want to say it was in like the 70s and uh it it was it's just an incredible video if you if you search on youtube for dead river rough cut you'll find it and it's it's worth watching for sure for sure um a 70 land cruiser i gotta ask why the jacket is hotter in hades here in southern maine well 70 it was hotter than hades here in northern maine and now it's been the high today i think was 60 up here we had a huge cold front move in with this rain and we had 50s and 60 degree weather and clouds and rain it's supposed to start warming back up a little bit, but the high in the next couple days is gonna be the 70s, and I think we're gonna be like 78 on Saturday or Sunday. I think Sunday is gonna be high of 78. I'm hoping to finish up making hay, the last of my hay bales. Uh, hopefully, gonna finish on Sunday. Judith and Dance, getting people stay cold. That's right. I do get cold quite easily. <laughs> uh, Coin and Gold says it's 63 here in northern Vermont. <laughs> Okay, and I got to advertise for Onyx. Uh, they're big supporters of the podcast, so in the channel, so thanks for that. All right, do you want to talk about fur prices? I'll tell you what I had happen with me uh, at the at Fur Harvesters auction in June. And I don't know, mid-80s in Southern Maine, wow, that is a huge differential. Um, although you are like 200 miles South of us, but still, so actually you're probably more than that. But anyway, we're in a different era for fur prices and mountain mariner off-grid Alaska, 40 degrees and heavy rain over 10 inches of rain since Thursday, obviously in, in Southeast. Wow. Wow. That's insane. Um, but yeah, we're we're kind of we're in this different era, and it's been you know you basically the country fur buyers have mostly gone out of business. You got grown wild fur and wool that's still buying fur, um, and you've got fur harvesters auction. You know that's the only auction house left standing, so there really aren't a lot of options for marketing fur. There really aren't a lot of people buying fur anymore. So we have the North American market is pretty well stalled, uh, it's pretty well gone away. The only thing we had for a bright spot in the North American fur market was Canada Goose, which was the uh, liners, the uh, trim for winter parkas that were really popular and they were trimmed with coyote fur. The knockoff parkas that looked were lookalikes were trimmed with cheaper coyote fur or raccoon fur. And uh, that's gone away. That's done. That is over. So uh, there's folks that were arguing, saying, oh, that's not going to die. That fashion trend is going to keep going. Someone else will take up the torch and do that. And it didn't happen. Uh, we had Russia and China, our biggest markets for, for exports. And Russia, obviously, is in war with Ukraine. And so we have tons of sanctions against Russia. And. Um, So that has interrupted that market and China has been in perpetual on and off lockdowns due to COVID because they have a no COVID policy. They don't have a good vaccine and they basically shut their entire economy down in major cities when they have COVID cases pop up. And so our two major markets are pretty well toast and our local market is pretty well toast. So there really isn't much demand for fur anymore. And that is the unfortunate reality that we are dealing with coming into uh, this fur marketing season. And I think most of us are under the realization that we're just not going to be able to sell fur for any reasonable prices. And we're, we're in this because we love to trap. We're in this for the experience. We're in this to help manage wildlife for landowners and reduce animal damage problems and the, the if we can sell the fur then so much the better is a bit of a bonus but uh, it's depressing to realize that uh you're not really going to be able to 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 see any any economic gain from that Um looking at the youtube comments here uh judith and dan had her on beaver musher sure cdn i'm hoping martin is good this year russia won't be selling as much of theirs due to sanctions 70 Land Cruiser, why doesn't anyone push the sustainability of fur as opposed to all these synthetics? Absolutely, you're right, but uh, people have tried to kind of push that. It doesn't seem to be doing much yet. I'm not sure why. So, anyway, the, the market is going to be poor overall. Now, that's not to say there aren't going to be some bright spots. So, there's a guy, Steve, from Central Maine that listens to the podcast regularly. He's a really good trapper. He traps close to home. And uh, like I said, we have a really good beaver here, high quality beaver. And he did some trapping late winter, early spring this season, this past season. He sent me some information on his average. I think he was in the high $20 for average on beaver. But he only caught extra large XXL beavers, dark, fully prime, and he's really good fur handler. And he just sent, you know, a really excellent collection of fur. So it's possible to do that. But guess what? I took my better XXL quality beavers. I sent those off to uh, either Josh Fisher and Fairbanks to do some fur sewing, Or I uh, sent them sent some to Moyle to sell to you guys. And I had the rest that I had. I looked at them and said, you know, these are kind of medium small. Uh, maybe they're large, extra large XXL, but they got some damage on them. Uh, I don't think... It's worth paying $30 to have them tanned per pelt and the shipping both ways. So I sent them to FHA. You know what my average was? I think it was like $8 on my beaver pelts. Seriously. So what you're going to have is just a, a small amount of beaver that are going to sell really well. Well, really well. I mean, 27 $28 used to be the average. I mean, it used to be the average for a full collection of beaver. Um, back when that was worth a lot more, you know, 15 years ago before inflation hit us. So uh, you might get a, a small collection of high quality beavers in good locations uh, that are fully prime. They're going to get that. But most beavers are going to look at maybe 10 to $12 if we're lucky. Um, and I think you're going to get less than that in certain places. Um, Coin and Gold says, soon if things keep going downhill, fur will be cheaper than cloth. Yeah. Money would be in quantity that you harvest. youth and Dan, I had a lot of fifty two so sell for sixteen bucks a pelt. Yes, and Dan Davis, you are from uh the south and that typically is not a great uh, a great beaver, great quality beaver. However, uh I know that from watching your YouTube videos that you are a really good fur handler and you have a good collection of beaver. So uh you probably got one of the better averages. Um, they, they're, they're also, we're also seeing, I think, a quite a, a reduction in harvest uh, of beaver, and so because there are not many on offer, there are buyers that are looking for a certain quantity of beaver, and they're going to use them for kind of higher end stuff. They're going to shear them, pluck them, dye them, and make coats or make other fur items, specialty items. They need to fill those orders and they're going to take the top beavers. They're going to work their way down uh, the different sections until they get what they need. And when those orders are filled, the only thing left is the hatter market. There used to be a big Chinese market. They'd take a bunch of that stuff and dress it really cheap and that's gone. So uh, the hatter market is basically going to grind that up into felt to make cowboy hats. So... uh, you're going to see, I think, those pretty good averages for better beaver, but when when those are filled, and that's going to depend on us as trappers, if we, uh, depending how many of those animals we harvest and how big of a collection we put in the auction or sell to guys like Grunewald, when those orders are filled, it's going to drop like precipitously because the hatter market has no competition. And so those might... You know those might even go down to six or eight dollars a pelt on average. Um, so yeah, that that's that's what beaver is going to do. Let's move on and talk about coyote. What do you guys think about what's going to go on in coyote? Let's let me let's sit here for a second and let people uh, maybe comment on coyotes if you think uh, if you got any opinions on that because a lot has changed in the coyote market. Hey, David Toms from Texas, what's up? Good to have you here. So coyote uh, were the, the perpetual bright spot in the market for the last five, six years, maybe, maybe eight or 10 years even. Um, coyotes have been selling well for quite a while, particularly it's been the Western heavy coyotes. Um, 70 Land Cruiser says, it uh, looks like it's going to be more ADC need. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're probably going to get paid more for animal damage control work than you are for the fur. I don't think there's any question about that. Dan Davis uses a post-flushing knife. Weeby one-handed scraper to finish the scraping and a cold water rinse to remove sand. Um, Mush CDN, what helps the beaver market is selling the caster, $100 Canadian a pound. Yes, um, and the caster market has started to weaken a little bit, but it's still pretty good. It's better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think uh, probably American 70, 60 to 80 dollars a pound maybe is what we're looking at. Um, so yeah, that's hopefully that'll remain strong um, as the beaver harvest stays fairly uh, low. The danger is if, if the caster if the beaver harvest gets too low over the next few years, um, and the caster gets too high, the, the danger is that buyers of that caster are going to look for alternatives. They're going to look for synthetics. They're going to look for different ways to get that flavor or smell, whatever they're, they're using that caster for. And they may just fully up and leave the market and we may lose that market. So um, it's good for now. Hopefully it, it continues. But uh, the, it, it as we all know in this fur market, nothing is guaranteed. All right. Uh, so coyotes, uh, I I kind of had been talking about this that I haven't had time to look back and see when I, I'd mentioned this, but I really felt that coming into last season that uh, when Canada Goose announced they were getting rid of all wild fur and their uh, parkas, uh, I I was really convinced that was the end, and there were a lot of people that were arguing that. Uh, the coyote market was going to be fine, and there was lots of buyers. In fact, uh, fur harvesters, um, which, you know, I love those guys at fur harvesters. I think they do a great job helping us market our fur. But they were incredibly confident that, and, and adamant that we've got 20-plus buyers for coyotes, and all of our bidders were not selling to Canada Goose in the last auction ex- 20-plus bidders were never selling to Canada Goose, and there's a very vibrant market outside of Canada Goose, and we're not worried about it. The coyote market is going to be strong. Well, guess what? The coyote market was not strong. So uh, we went from having a coyote market of 70 to $100 average on the better Western heavy coyotes. This year, I think we're going to look at about $30. Uh, it, it just, it has not materialized. And actually, in fact, I think since I haven't been on here for so long, I'm going to pull up the Fur Harvesters auction results from June because I think I should just, um, well, actually it says it's July. Sorry, I, I misspoke. It was July. July 19 to 23 was, uh, no, it wasn't July. Come on. It was June. Yes, it was June. Okay. the uh, July was twenty. the 2021 one. Here we go. June 22. June 23 to 27, 2022. This is the auction results. And uh, if I was better technologically uh, advanced, I'd be able to show this on the YouTube live stream, but I'm not going to. Western Heavy Coyotes sold at 60% for $26.95. That those were the same coyotes that were selling between seventy and a hundred dollars for the last several years. Um, so they're done. It's done. Uh, the demand just isn't there yet anymore. It's it's unfortunate. It's sad. Eastern coyotes sold at sixty-seven percent for nine dollars and ninety-five cents. Um, it just the western semis were ten seventy-four. The market just isn't there, and I think. A lot of us were, were saying that, you know, back when when this was going, like, don't expect this to last. Don't expect this to last because, it, you know, you just can't take that for granted. Remember when the otter market was booming and uh, it was like 2012, maybe? 2008, 08 to 2012, we we're selling otters for 100 bucks Yeah, that didn't last. None of that stuff lasts. So, you got to take advantage of it when you can, but um, just just don't expect it. So, coyotes are, are I think, going to be hard to sell. Um, Judith and Dan, a lot of local fur sales are lowballing the caster price to make up for low fur price. Yeah, that could be. Um, yeah, let's move on to raccoon. I. Uh, Musher CDN says COVID hurt travel and that hurt prices too. Absolutely. No point in having a new coat if you can't show it off. That's right. Um, although if you're in the u.s and you wear fur coat you're you know people are gonna look down on you unfortunately it's just culturally that has changed where people think fur coat used to mean luxury now it means oh you hate it you're an animal killer you hate animals you don't care um in internet veteran hey what's up good to have you here internet veteran raccoon um I don't think there's gonna be much, if any, demand for raccoon this year except for the very best raccoon. If you are uh, if you're and just say one or two bucks, yeah. I, I think if you're catching early, if it's small, if it's from the south, if it's from the northeast, or east in general, you're gonna get nothing for your raccoon. If you're if you're lucky you might get someone to give you a price on it. If you're in the Midwest and it's a large raccoon and it's trapped like during deer season and it's a white pelt and it's really prime you may get 10 or 15 bucks so uh if, if you're if you high haiku numbers and you can really be selective in what you skin uh, potentially you can do pretty you can do okay uh, but in general there's just not going to be much demand for a raccoon holy smokes internet veteran just gave me five bucks hey awesome thank you very much i forgot that i even had that turned on um, I think that's super chat, top chat. Um, five dollar donation from Internet Veteran. I really appreciate that. That is awesome. And you ordered the book. Sweet. Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. That, or man or I don't know if you're a man, but I really appreciate it. Seventy Land Cruiser, I have a guy that renders the fat down and uses it as a salve for hot spots on his horses and dogs. That's cool. You're a man. Okay, Internet veteran is a man. <laughs> i'm not sure in the in today's society you could be uh, a number of different things gotta be careful i guess um make sure that that uh uh, we don't offend anybody (laughs) judith and dan we are buying a 5x ten raccoon never seen one that size neither have i okay move on to muskrat Uh, muskrat not going to be a lot of demand for muskrat Wild, our uh, ranch mink um, and muskrat kind of go together, as as do wild mink, generally. But hey, we got twenty five people on the chat, unannounced. Haven't done this for a couple months. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm glad to have you. It's and it's five o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, so that's good. Uh, when while uh, ranch mink prices are in the tank, and we're we're really. It it is just it's there's just a huge backlog of supply that has not been filled, and so because ranch are so cheap, it's going to be hard to sell muskrat. And uh, muskrat, I think we're you know we're three four dollars last year was was pretty good, and uh, it was pretty steady, especially early in the season. It kind of weakened later on. Uh, this year, I think you might be 2 250 for muskrat. That's going to be kind of a, a pr- my prediction. I just think the demand is softened enough that we're not going to see a lot. Uh, hit that thumbs up. Yeah, for sure. Definitely hit the thumbs up. we got 15 thumbs up on the video. Thanks, guys. Uh, how about Martin? So Martin are a, a kind of a unique product. Uh, somebody mentioned earlier in the chat that uh, Russia cannot export their sable due to sanctions, and that may influence the sable or martin market. It's basically the same thing. If you look at uh, if you look at sable, um, if you if you look at the actual Russian sable, they they look totally different because they stretch them different. They stretch them like really short and wide. They look they're weird looking, but this is the same fur. Same buyers, same product. Um, let's see, Musher CDN Ranch fur helped kill the wild fur market. People are more open to free range fur farming as opposed to fur bears and cages. Yeah, so Musher, uh, that could be a, an interesting conversation. Ranch fur, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, I am kind of split on my opinion on that topic. Um, if you if you read the Walter Arnold book that I have here um, for folks who have read it there there are some articles that walter wrote back in the 40s about that specific topic back then the ranch fur industry was just getting started and there was a lot of demand for fur but it could not be fulfilled the 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 supply was so limited because it was wild harvest it depended on the weather depended on what state you were in, what you could get, how many trappers were out there, and so prices were really good. People could actually make a living harvesting fur, and when the ranches came in and started producing a lot of product, that completely changed things over the decades. Um, that, as a general rule, I think that ranch fur definitely competed with what outcompeted wild fur, particularly things like wild mink. Because the ranch product is a far superior product. In terms of size, color, consistency, quality, quantity. It's all just better. So, in general, ranch fur being put on the market was probably bad for wild fur. That's a controversial statement, but I'm going to say it. That's my opinion. However, the ranch fur industry is uh coin and gold says is there much ranch fur these days in the usa yes there is actually quite a bit you'd be surprised it, it's very quiet because guys don't want to talk about it or they get their places raided by PETA and uh crazy environmental activists that will burn down and or release all the animals from the ranch but mink and fox are pretty common uh utah wisconsin um A few other states, but those are the two big ones that come to mind that are big fur farming states. Now, the fur ranching, fur farming industry as a whole has been uh, very beneficial for the fur industry because they've provided a lot of funding to promote the use of fur. And they've provided a lot of funding to help prevent the ban of fur in a lot of places. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword that, yes, the ranch industry I think has hurt us wild fur producers, but it's also helped keep us alive. And I I don't really know whether I can go far in any direction as far as my opinion on things. Um, I guess I'm just kind of neutral on the subject. Uh, But Martin are not ranched in general. Um, There is some in other parts of the world, but not in the U.S. And uh, because of that Russian issue, potentially we may see a little bit more demand for R. Martin in the uh, continental United States, or in the nor- in North America, Alaska, and Canada. Uh, I I don't know that the demand is going to be huge. Uh, another backdrop that we are looking at that I haven't even mentioned. We talked about the whole COVID thing, with China, Russia, the war in Ukraine, all that stuff. But another thing that I never even brought up, was macroeconomic environment that we are in, I think we are headed for a huge economic decline. And uh, inflation is 9%, 10% right now. I'm not trying to try not to get into the political side of things, but uh, I will say uh, inflation is high. The stock market is high. Uh, government spending is sky high. And uh, the economy is probably headed for a significant downturn in my opinion. Uh, I, I really don't see how we can keep this up for much longer. And the dollar, the United States dollar is at a at a, at a high. I don't know if I't want to say all-time high, but it's at a high um, relative to other currencies around the world. I don't see how long this how, how this lasts much longer. We're already in an economic recession by the technical definition of recession, uh, two negative quarters of GDP growth decline, or negative GDP growth. And I, I think things are gonna things are gonna be on the downturn. And so uh, those consumers that have all that extra money that we rely on to purchase fur items. Uh, may not be there in as, as large a quantity as as they uh, may have been in the past. So, uh, Judith and Dan, I have both sides of this under my belt. I grew up on a mink farm, but trapped for myself. M- oh, mink farm produced Elizabeth Taylor's fur coats. That's pretty cool. That, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, an internet veteran says the consistency of ranch fur is what did in wild fur. Absolutely, for sure. Um, it, it was a good product. Um, that's why, that's why farms do well. They produce a consistent product. Uh, <laughs> mushroom CDN, let's hope more rappers start wearing fur. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't care who wears, wears it as long as they wear it. Um, and, and so, uh, Martin, potentially we might see some uptick in the Martin market, but, you know, probably, uh, 30 to Thirty dollars, maybe some advance with the better Alaskan Martin. You might see fifty or sixty, possibly. Um, I really don't know. The Alaskan and Northern Canadian Martin, the ones that I trap, I'm thinking twenty, twenty-five dollars. The ones out in Montana and Idaho, Utah, maybe twenty bucks. Uh, it's probably what we're looking at. Uh, Fisher, Fisher, I don't think are going to be much better. Uh, again, very you know pretty limited item not a lot of supply but not necessarily a lot of demand either and uh i'm thinking you know maybe 20 or 30 bucks for fisher it's not that bad um but i I, you know one of my goals i think i think i'm going to try to go after fisher this year uh if i if i trap in a major way this year it'll probably be for fisher i think it'll be something different interesting and something that i will enjoy also close to home I don't have to go way out in the high elevation backcountry, northern Maine, where I go, you know, 30, 40 miles and climb a thousand feet elevation or six, seven hundred feet elevation plus uh, to get into my trap line. I got fish running around all over the farm country and the woods country just around me down here. So um, I, I probably will go after fisher in pretty decent numbers. Um uh, just let me let me do really quick otter and bobcat, then I'll, uh, and fox, and I'll circle back to Fisher just to finish this thing up. Uh, fox, you know, 10, 20 bucks maybe. Uh, very limited market there. Otter, I think 20 for otter is what we're probably going to be looking at. Um, there's going to be demand. You're going to be able to sell them, but 15 to 30 maybe is what our, the otter range is going to be. And Bobcat, the Western Bobcats that used to bring 500 on average, I think are going to bring about $150. Uh, you're going to get some $500 cats because uh, there are, is a small percentage of people who still have a lot of money and want those items. They want those white bellies and spots on cats to make those high-end fashion coats. Uh, and uh, and there's going to be demand for some of those, but probably 500 on the better, a 150 average, probably 50 60 bucks for the rest of the country's bobcats. Okay, let's check out the comments. Uh, David Tom says, just think we have traps together. Coon, possums, beaver, at least we'll eat. <laughs> Absolutely right. I ate uh, quite a bit of beaver last uh, winter, and I'll probably do so again. Uh, Judith and Dan, I've seen $86 farm mink and $5 wild mink. Yeah. Uh, coin of gold. <laughs> yeah. All right. I won't comment on that. Craig Harmon laughing. Internet veteran. Uh, going on. Okay. So, uh, finally I'm going to finish this thing up and say, uh, what are, what are your plans for the upcoming trapping season? I think if you're listening in, you're probably going to be trapping to some extent, uh, Looking at $450 to $5 a gallon gasoline. You may not be trapping very far from home, uh, looking at very low fur prices. You may not be running a very extensive line, uh, but I would encourage you to maybe do something that interests you this year. Do something different, unique, uh, something maybe you've always wanted to do. Maybe stay close to home, maybe do more animal damage work. Um, but for me, that's something different is probably going to be something, uh, I'm probably going to be doing a foothold trap line for fisher. And uh, a couple of things with fisher here in northern Maine, they are very abundant. They have become more and more abundant over the years at the expense of marten populations. Fisher have kind of started to take over a lot of these areas. The habitat is there for them. The habitat changed a lot with more intensive timber harvest practices here in northern Maine. Um, very, uh, very little regulation and lots of large scale, uh, harvest that has changed the forest. So there's not much old growth forest left. There's a lot of young forest and that favors fisher populations in general. Um, they knew, do need a little bit of shelter here and there. So just, you know, buffer strips around riparian areas and streams where, uh, you have some cover, but generally fisher do really well in this reverting farmland and cut over ground. So, um, we're, we're going to have uh, a, a pretty good, uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty good opportunity. Now, to trap Fisher and Martin in Northern Maine, we have to use these boxes. Uh, these links exclusion devices, which I've talked about extensively in the podcast. And these LEDs uh, have to have certain size openings to the box, That makes it very difficult for Fisher to get into. So what we see is oftentimes we'll see very many refusals. Fisher that come to the bait, to the box, and they circle around the box, and they won't go inside because the opening is too small. And uh, if you had a foothold trap right in front of the box, they would walk right past it, step in, and get caught. And so there are many cases where we could have caught those animals if we had we're using footholds. The problem is our conibear traps, our body grip traps that we use in those links exclusion devices, are a five-day have a five-day check law. In other words, we only have to check those once every five days. So you can run a big line and have a full-time job and have a family and other obligations and still trap. Uh, if you set a foothold trap there, you have to check it every twenty-four hours. So that makes things quite difficult to uh, to do feasibly. Um, so what I'm going to try to do is if I have enough vacation time left uh, for the beginning of fisher and martin general trapping season here in northern Maine, uh, I'm thinking of doing like maybe a 10-day line where I just trap with footholds for fisher. And, you know, I may, I may catch a, a martin or a weasel here and there, but I'm going to be in fisher habitat checking every 24 hours, running foothold traps and uh, just be something different, something interesting. And uh, I haven't completely committed to it yet. I've kind of got stuff uh, ready. We have uh, restrictions on the size of the trap, uh, the number of swivels, where the trap is set, uh, all that stuff. So it's a, it, it's a little bit complex, but uh, it can certainly be done. And I'm thinking about doing it um, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm still in summer mode. I'm in farming mode, and I'm starting to get a little bit into trapping mode. So uh, here we go. It's gonna start getting colder. The season is getting closer. It's time to maybe start preparing. Time to start getting excited. I'm hoping I'll get a little more excited as we move along. I know you guys are probably quite excited if you're listening in or watching this on the YouTube, and uh, and I think uh, I think it's gonna be good. I think I think we're gonna. We're all going to try to make it an enjoyable, fun season uh, regardless of the, what's up with the fur market or our local regulations. Mountain Mariner, I'll be learning, new to trapping, a couple sets on my property for Martin Lynx. like to get a wolf. Seven land cruiser foothold checks, I do twice a day in my bear trap every six to eight hours. Inter- veteran, planning on trapping forever, definitely losing money every step of the way, all with a smile from ear to ear because my goal is protecting our heritage. All right, that's a good way to end this podcast episode guys uh, it's great to have you along thank you so much for tuning in uh, both in the podcast and on the youtube live and uh, we'll catch you next time till next time um, please support our sponsors and uh, check out trappingtodaystore.com keep on talking trapping keep on thinking trapping we'll catch you on the next episode